Chasing Dramas. This is the podcast that discusses Chinese culture and history through historical Chinese dramas. We are your hosts for today, Kathy and Karen. Today, we will be discussing episodes 26 and 27 of the Tang Dynasty drama, The Longest Day in Chang'an or Chang'an Shen. If you have any comments or questions, please feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, or else email us at karenandkathy at chasingdramas.com. As always, this podcast is in English with proper nouns and certain phrases spoken in Mandarin. Additionally, we reference translations from what is provided online, and we will also provide our own. The time now is 10 p.m. at night. Episodes 26 and 27 are a strong test of resolve for those trying to do good. Li Bi is still held captive in Longbo and Hefu's hideout, except Longbo has made it abundantly clear how little he cares for Hefu. Hefu has his eyes gouged out by Longbo's men. That makeup for this actor is terrifying. He is returned to the chamber holding Li Bi, who is stunned to see what happened. Li Bi questions urgently where He Jian or He Zhizheng might be, but He Fu doesn't respond, only laughing maniacally that he cannot see his revenge fulfilled anymore. Li Bi is taken to a side room by Wen Ran and several men. They are about to kill him, but he pipes up that he can save Zhang Xiaoji. That is his only saving grace because Wen Ran wants to save Zhang Xiaoji, and Li Bi might be the only person who can do so. Wen Zhan agrees and has him drugged as Longbo and his men ready themselves for the next steps of their plan. In this dream state, Li Bi asks his teacher, He Zhizheng, whether he knew about He Fu's true nature. He Zhizheng, or director He, raised He Fu for 20 years. Would he know that He Fu was feigning his mental illness this entire time? In this dreamlike state, director He is rather blunt in showing that he did not want to expose He Fu's actions because the biggest beneficiary would be the crown prince in the end. While He Zhizheng may not have directly participated in He Fu's actions, only with Lin Xiaolang's death can the crown prince be safe. The truth, accordingly, is not that important. Li Bi mulls over these last words before waking up. I liked the transition because at first I was like, wait, is this a flashback or is this a dreamlike state? But when Li Bi transforms into Director He, then that is when I was like, okay, this is really Li Bi trying to convince himself of this whole conversation. It is this theme that separates the politicians compared to those seeking to do good. This theme we will see repeated in the next episode. Li Bi, after this dream, manages to untie himself and escape out into the streets. At this point in the evening, it is time for the right chancellor to head over to the palace for the evening's festivities. The emperor has ordered him to arrive. We see him getting dressed in armor and his magnificent purple robes that reflect his status at court. Except, it's not actually him. 
The right chancellor has a decoy dressed in his clothes to head out onto the street in case anything bad should happen. And it is more likely than not that something will happen as the decoy himself bows to the right chancellor and requests that his family be taken care of. Once again, I am impressed with the right chancellor's cunning. He is sly as a fox. He's just over there, chilling in his rooms, waiting to see if an explosion does indeed happen. If it comes to fruition, then he already has all the documents needed to pounce on the crown prince. The right chancellor is stressed for his life, but he's not going to take it without a fight. Out on the streets, this decoy right chancellor is on his way with many soldiers. Hufu himself is in a carriage with supposedly a bunch of bombs getting ready to kill the quote-unquote right chancellor. I believe the original plan was for Hufu to bomb both himself and the right chancellor in order to avenge his family. Except Hufu is too naive to believe the dangerous Longbo. Hufu lights the flames for the bombs and there is chaos in the streets, but nothing happens. No explosion occurs. Apparently, Longbo had his men defuse those bombs to make it so that nothing would explode. Kofu is apprehended immediately. Li Bi, who witnessed the entire thing, tries to call out for Kofu and claim that he wasn't the mastermind behind what just happened, but is in turn chased by the soldiers as well for being part of today's plan. Li Bi pelts his way through the streets of Ping Kangfang to hide from his chasers. A young courtesan helps Li Bi hide from his attackers and he manages to escape down below, but then is knocked unconscious in the underground world as he flashes a badge showing that he is a court official. Meanwhile, Zhang Xiaojing is being chased throughout the city. Ji Wen has given orders to apprehend Zhang Xiaojing, and now Yuan Zai and Wang Yunxiu are leading a group of men to kill Zhang Xiaojing. Yao Runang, meanwhile, is sent to a watchtower to oversee that these orders are carried out properly and for the men of the watchtower to aid in the capture of Zhang Xiaojing. You can tell that he is extremely conflicted about this. For this drama, again, I'm really confused at how much collateral damage there is because in the beginning they're like, we cannot have innocent people die, but... One of the watchtower guards straight up shoots an old courtesan and just like, yep, here's more dead people. Unfortunately for this lady, she was only helping Zhang Xiaojing. And Zhang Xiaojing sees her dead and doesn't think twice about it and is like, let me run away. <laughs> Fortunately for Zhang Xiaojing, at that very moment, his old buddies in Buliangren or the sleuth hounds find him and put on a show that they're capturing him. These men bring him back to their station and give him rations and a disguise to help him escape the city. They should really be commended for their bravery in helping their former boss, not even their direct boss. Yuan Zai and Wang Yunxiu arrive hot on their tail and, in an instant, order soldiers to attack these Buliangren. In quick succession, these Buliangren are killed protecting Zhang Xiaojing. Their sacrifice gives them the opportunity to escape. The problem is, Zhang Xiaojing is still being carefully tracked by the watchtowers. 
Luckily for him, our old friend, or maybe not so old, young friend, Yisu finds him and gives him the warning that the streets ahead are unsafe. Yisu wants Zhang Xiaojing to go into hiding right now and stay safe before continuing his investigation. But at this point in the day, Zhang Xiaojing's resolve is wavering. He just saw many of his buddies die for helping him. He doesn't think he has much use left for the city. For the first time today, Zhang Xiaojing thinks he should leave. Yisu actually impresses me here because even though he can be seen as a bright ray of sunshine that is sometimes a little too naive, he tells Zhang Xiaojing that he shouldn't retreat. In episode 27, in the face of oncoming attackers, Yisu steps in front of Zhang Xiaojing, ready to fight them in order to give Zhang Xiaojing to escape, probably another sacrifice. Zhang Xiaojing, though, yanks them to the side and they run off for their lives, but it's not much use. The watchtowers have their position tracked, so even if they do escape for a moment, they don't have much breathing room. At this point, though, at long last, Yao Zhuneng on one of the watchtowers can't take it anymore. He punches one of the watchtower soldiers and orders the other soldier to get lost. He takes over messaging and beats a simple message on the drums. Bu tui, or don't retreat. This shift in message is heard by everyone in the city. Other watchtowers also start relaying this message. Ji Wen back at Jing'an-si orders an investigation on this message because surely his men didn't send it, while Tan Qi and Li Bi hears this while in despair. Tan Qi is distraught that she cannot find Zhang Xiaojing in all the crowds, while Li Bi has been captured by the underground world of Ping Kang Fa. Yao Zhuneng also adds additional orders for all watchtowers to go dark and go home. We hear soldiers at one of the watchtowers question this order only for, I guess, a high-ranking soldier in that group to say, this must be true. Let's all go home. I personally don't think that that soldier truly believed these orders weren't being intercepted, but I think he was willing to help Zhang Xiaojing in this instance, given all of the heroic deeds that Zhang Xiaojing did today. And this is another instance in how a very unseemingly interesting character in a show or a drama can make very big and important impacts to save the main character's life. In addition, well, finally, Yao Ruoneng grew this backbone of his. This scene was very touching to me because if we recall, in the second episode of this drama, Zhang Xiaojing made the comment that Yao Ruoneng likes to retreat or back off. That signals his cowardice nature. In this moment, we see a lot of growth in Yao Ruoneng. Unfortunately, he is captured back to Jing Anzi. In front of Ji Wen, Yao Ruoneng does not back down on his choice and is admonished for these actions. Ji Wen says that Zhang Xiaojing is the culprit that the right chancellor needs. They don't care about the truth, only what is helpful to the right chancellor. This right here, to me, shows that He Zhizhong isn't too far off from the likes of the right chancellor or Ji Wen. In both this episode and the last episode, we are shown that the truth doesn't matter if it gets to the end that is wanted. Yao Runeng is dejected at hearing this and the fact that He Fu was apprehended as 
a mastermind for the night. Yang Ronang is thrown into prison with the still there and still starving Tenzin. But it is really Tenzin who reassures Yang Ronang that he did the right thing tonight. Back to Yi Si and Zhang Xiaojing. Yi Si exclaims to Zhang Xiaojing that the watchtowers have gone dark and the message of don't retreat or bu tui are being repeated all throughout the city. Someone is helping him. Zhang Xiaojing pauses and is reminded of his time as a soldier. Those two words were a key driving force for him and his fellow soldiers, bu tui, or don't retreat. Understanding the message that was sent and revitalized in his resolve, Zhang Xiaojing orders Yi Si to not look at what he's about to do next. He turns around to meet the oncoming soldiers. The despicable Yuan Zai orders Zhang Xiaojing to be killed, only for Zhang Xiaojing to brutally eliminate the soldiers. At least for now, we see Zhang Xiaojing reinvigorated. I personally love this scene. And the cherry on top is to see Yuan Zai kind of scuttle away because he was like, oh my god, I'm about to die. He is such a scummy person, and I'm glad, at least now, that his smirk is wiped off his face. Though he says all of these things towards Wang Yunxiu when they were out getting some food later on, I really didn't pay too much attention there because I just really don't like the scenes that they are uh, on screen together. As for Li Bi... He is thrown into the same jail cell in the underground of Chang'an as a young woman covered in boils and blisters. We actually, I think, saw her earlier on in the drama. He's thrown into the cell as a blackmail hostage to gain money. I really like this quick little side adventure of sorts, which didn't really need that much screen time, but I absolutely adore it. Li Bi investigates the young woman named Aju's medical ailment on her body. Her brother, the captor for or of Li Bi, arrives and is furious that he's looking at her body. The brother chokes Li Bi while Aju steps in, saying that Li Bi is just trying to help. Li Bi gasps out several ingredients to potentially save her, and the brother is in disbelief at first and thinks Li Bi is trying to trick him into having hope. Li Bi simply says, though, fake hope is still hope. Why not give it a try? Aju sheds a tear hearing that someone is actually willing to stand up for her and help her. I really like this scene because it shows that Li Bi, despite being scared, is willing to work with people from all walks of life, even supposedly the lowest of the low. Li Bi gives Aju more respect in their brief interaction than Aja's own brother, who looks down on her for having been a courtesan and is now covered in boils. Well, I think this brother is more conflicted because he apparently spent three years looking for a cure for his sister to no avail. I think he's only so mean to Aja because she's a reflection of his failure to earn money to call a doctor for their mother, which ultimately led to Aja's current predicament. Li Bi tells Aju that she should tell people what she wants to do if she gets to live. I personally love this story. This blistered young woman loves the morning sunrise of Chang'an and the tasty pastry the old grandma makes every day. Aju wants to be like that old grandma, have her own business, clean, 
able to stand up straight making a living with her own skill, and also able to support her brother because by that time, her brother will also be old and needs support. It's such a random scene, but so touching. To me, it reflects the simple dreams of ordinary people that may not have the opportunity to simply do that because of societal expectations or misfortunes. Li Bi, in this scene, shows his ability to look beyond the exterior and be respectful to people of all walks of life. I think this is also a very good two-episode journey for him because in the previous episode, or earlier, when he was at the courtesan's place trying to hide, he was just like, let me give you some sum of money because my family is six generations of respectful people and there's no way we will not pay you in the future. Like that to me was a little condescending. And now he's now at the lowest of the low. He really understands or has learned to treat everybody equally. This is in heavy contrast to Lin Jiolang and even He Fu. At the beginning of episode 27, Lin Jiolang has He Fu brought over to his residence for questioning. He Fu at first didn't know Lin Jiolang was present given that he is blind and unleashes fury at hearing Lin Jiolang. However, when hearing that Lin Jiolang is willing to bring justice to He Fu's birth father's name, He Fu says he's willing to give the confession that Lin Jiolang wants, aka fake testimony. This means that while He Fu himself is a victim of Lin Jiolang's power-hungry antics, he wants revenge and he will do anything to get it. He Fu is not a quote-unquote righteous person in the same vein as Li Bi or Zhang Xiaojing, despite feebly in the beginning saying, this was not part of the cards, I did not want to kill innocent people. That was the recap for episodes 26 and 27. Most of the history will come from 26, actually, so let's get started. First and foremost, when Longbo comes to retrieve He Fu after gouging his eyes out and locking him up, Longbo sees He Fu has written a few words on the wall with his blood. They are, Yao jian shuang ren ying, zhi yu zai shen pang. According to He Fu, these are nothing more than words from a lantern riddle or deng mi. Deng mi or lantern riddles are pretty standard as an activity to perform during the lantern festival. These riddles could refer to a word, a person, a poem, you have it. But these riddles are very fun because with Chinese characters, you can guess the composition of the word or else what the word means. Yao jian shuang ren ying. Let me translate it literally. Seeing two shadows in the distance, I know the man Yu is by my side. We don't get the answer to that riddle in the drama. However, the answer is a major, major spoiler and a really clever one at that. So if you haven't watched the drama but can read Chinese, maybe spend some time, Looking at this. If you don't want to get spoiled, skip the next minute or so. The first line of the riddle, Yao Jian Shuang Ren Ying, is a word play on the Shuang Ren Pang or the double person radical of a Chinese word. The second line, Zhi Yu Zai Shen Pang, I know Yu is by my side. Add these two words together, Yu and the Shuang Ren Pang, and you get the word 
Xu. Who is the only other character in the drama that goes by Xu? Uh, it's got to be Xu Bin. So he must have some connection with He Fu. And that ends the major spoiler for today. Next, let's move to the dream that Li Bi has with himself and director He. Director He begins the conversation by discussing the eight sites of Chang'an and focuses on one, the snow from the mountain Taibai. I couldn't find when exactly the Chang'an Bajing, or the eight sites of Chang'an, was officially named, but in 1680, during the Qing Dynasty, a stone stele was engraved naming the eight sites of Guanzhong, which basically is the eight sites of Chang'an. Hua Yue Xianzhang Wang Xiaohan, Yan Ta Chenzhong Xiang Chengnan, Li Shan Wan Zhao Pi Qin Di, Qu Jiang Liu Yin Rao Chang'an, Ba Liu Feng Xue San Chun Nuan, Tai Bai Ji Xue Liu Yue Han, Cao Tang Yan Wu Jin Xiang Lian, Xian Yang Gu Du Ji Qian Nian. So we have the eight sites listed in the poem, so I will go one by one. The first one is Hua Yue Xianzhang, or the heavenly peaks of Mount Hua. Then we have Li Shan Wan Zhao, which mean the sunset views of Mount Li. Then there is the Ba Liu Feng Xue, or the wind and snow at the bridge of Ba Liu. Then we have Qu Jiang Liu Yin, or take a boat ride and drink on the Qu River. Then there's Yan Ta Chenzhong, the morning bell tolls of the Geese Tower. Then there's Xianyang Gu Du, the ancient crossing of the river Wei at Xianyang. Then there's Cao Tang Yan Wu, the mist from the well at the village of Cao Tang. And finally, Tai Bai Ji Xue, or the snow capped peaks of Mount Tai Bai. Of the eight mentioned above, I personally have been to two of them. This includes Mount Hua and Mount Li, which are described as Hua Yue Xianzhang or Li Shan Wan Zhao. The scenery around Mount Hua is absolutely breathtaking, and I highly recommend it as a day trip from Xi'an to climb the peaks. Well, so I took the cable cars to the top, and then you can climb the individual peaks, there are five. Others also go all the way from the bottom of the mountain, start at like 6 a.m. and then take that six to 10 hour hike all the way up to the top. I will say the walk is very steep, so it's not for the faint of heart, but it's not like one of those insane crazy climbs where you need to be tethered. It is all walkable. On the same trip to Xi'an, I also went to Mount Li, and we will definitely talk about Li Shan more as this drama continues. There are hot springs there, but the focus when I went to Mount Li wasn't so much on the scenery, rather the history that is there in the mountain, which again ties to this drama particularly. I believe I also went to the Geese Tower or the Yan Ta Chenzhong in modern day Xi'an, but it wasn't as memorable, so I can't quite put it as like, yep, I've definitely seen this tower. Anyways, back to the drama. Director He personally favors Mountain Taibai, close to the city of Chang'an. 
The mountain itself is only 1.5 hours away from the city of Xi'an, so not too far from modern day standards. Director He in the drama quotes from the commentary of the water classic or Shui Jingzhu by the Northern Wei Dynasty official and geographer Li Daoyuan. Commentary on the water consists of 40 volumes that discusses the understanding of waterways and canals by the then scholar Li Daoyuan. In ancient times, according to the author, Mount Taibai was also called Wu Gongshan, and in the commentary of water, it states Taibai Shan Nan Lian Wu Gongshan, Yu Zhu Shan Zui Wei Xiu Jie. This part is quoted word from word in the drama, so I'll take some of the translations from YouTube. Mount Taibai is connected to Mount Wugong in the south. It is the most magnificent of all mountains. There is snow, summer and winter, a scenery of pure white. In the same text, the author also wrote about the mountain, or during the time of Emperor Hanwu, so think around the 2nd century BC, a Taoist temple was there already dedicated to Gu Chun. Gu Chun is a Taoist god listed in Lie Xian Zhuan or the biographies of immortals. So even by the time of the Northern Wei dynasty, Hundreds of years ago, the Mount Taibai was known to folks then. And lastly, let's close out with some more Taoism from the same conversation. Director He quotes these really famous lines from Tao Te Ching, the ancient Chinese text of divination. Ren fa di, di fa tian, tian fa dao, dao fa zi ran. Director He gives this response when asked by Li Bi whether or not he is talking about man or mountain with regards to how cold Mount Taibai is. Here's one translation that I found on ctext.org, which I think is accurate. Man takes his law from the earth. The earth takes its law from heaven. Heaven takes its law from Tao. The law of Tao is its being what it is. YouTube and other translations that I read instead have it something like this. Man follows the way of earth. Earth follows the way of heaven. Heaven follows the way of Tao. And Tao, the way of nature. I personally think that it is important to highlight the word fa or law from the original text because it's not just the way, but there is some order or law to this way. And the reason why I put both translations is so you, the listener, kind of can hear the difference between the different translations of the word fa here. I personally think the reason why director He or Li Bi's subconscious responds this way is because right now Li Bi believes that it doesn't matter if the conversation about Mount Taibai is about a man or mountain. It is the way of all things. And it kind of goes to the subsequent conversation of whether or not director He knew about his adoptive son's actions, it doesn't matter because no matter what, the right chancellor will implicate the crown prince.
And that closes out our discussion for episodes 26 and 27 of The Longest Day in Chang'an. I definitely tear up, especially in episode 27 when Aju is telling Li Bi about her dreams and wishes if she manages to live to old age. And it's one of those things where it's very curious that these episodes that are more calm are the ones that tug at your heartstrings as well. If you have any questions or comments, please let us know. Friendly reminder that if you are in the States and are looking for Chinese dramas or movies, you can head on over to our sponsor, Jubao TV. That is J-U-B-A-O TV. It is a free service that has a selection of Chinese dramas and movies to watch. They've launched on Sling TV, and you can also access it on Plex. Thanks again so much for listening, and we will catch you all in the next podcast episode.